Hello, and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experiences in a psych ward. Um, we have a special guest today, but it's actually going to be my new co-host. His name is Matt Brown. He's been on the episodes before. I'm like um, episode 24. If you want to re-listen, <laughs> specifically, and enjoy yeah, ready to plug that real quick. Oh, in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to talk about kind of like why I'm bringing you on the podcast, the intentions of it, and kind of like how we're going to move it forward. Yeah. Um, well, I think the primary reason that you brought me on is because we're both just like really pretty brunettes who went to day camp. Mm-hmm. Like we just have a lot of experiences <laughs> saying, Tanner, I'm not ready for that. Like yeah. it's just a lot of, and that's, we, that's what we share in common yeah. to the table. And that's exactly why we relate. Totally, you know what I mean? Cause totally. we're brunette and that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Just long brown hair and jealous, jealous friends. Yeah, of course. Um, no, I, I think the reason that we became <laughs> friends and the reason that I think we're going to be a good match on this podcast uh, for like a long-term moment is because we have a lot of similar experiences Mm -hmm. or at least a lot of similar reactions or similar emotions through similar time periods in life there's not a lot when you talk about being 13 and I talk about being 13 it's the same fucking feelings when you talk about diving it's the way I talk about music uh, and me training to be an opera singer for like so many years like uh, our lives line up exactly and that's what I was gonna say too we're like it doesn't it's funny how like you can end up in a certain place yeah we both ended up doing comedy in chicago in the middle of a pandemic right. but i'm saying in the same place like success wise mental wise like but then going through completely different things but coming out the other side yeah. and being you know in a similar place in terms of like comedy and stuff like that yeah. um and, and with our jobs and everything but still going through these things that like really fucked us up totally and the other thing that's interesting is that we do have those similar areas of where we got fucked up and by whom and once again even at the same times at certain ages even that we can bond on right and right, totally, totally all of that stuff falls into place and is a common thing mm-hmm. but like you're a jewish girl who grew up you know with like successful parents and i grew up in a fucking trailer park biracial black and white like raised by like three different people in my family with like no money or opposite yeah yeah Polar opposites on paper, polar opposites when you look at socioeconomic, when you look at demo, when you look at what's mm-hmm. there before you get to say, mm-hmm. hi, my name's Matt, how are but, you? But that's but that's why I think it's so important to like have you on Yeah, is because it shows that I'm not being like, oh, here's my other white woman co-host. That's because we're so similar. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you can like connect to anybody and part of the podcast and why I obviously have this is that so people don't feel alone. Like I've had amazing mm-hmm. messages come in and be like, you saved me and I really appreciate you talking about stuff that can't be talked about. And I feel less alone, even though I don't know you or your guests kind of thing. Um, and then having somebody else from a different background come in and kind of talk about that makes it, um, it makes it's not even makes it more diverse but it just makes it more like okay so if it can happen to you it can happen to me Mm -hmm. it can happen to anybody these are shared universal human experiences exactly exactly and that's all it is and and um i mean we even talked about like having like our own little like secret episodes and stuff like that and like Mm -hmm. talking about like more of our vulnerable stuff and i think that that's really important um to have because like most of this stuff is based on like interviewing and stuff like that and that's Mm -hmm. great but i think part of um why i wanted to do this specifically with you and like start like a separate patreon which we'll talk about later in like the episode and stuff like that is we'll get there yeah we'll definitely get there but like is because we want people to know um kind of just awareness of like yeah we have like all these interviews with people and we learn about them and all this good stuff but there's also another part of us that like wants to talk about like 
deeper stuff mm-hmm. and like stuff that's actually affected us and like not so much events that happened to us but like the emotions we felt when that was yeah happening. like and we want to we want to do really strong stuff. interviews we want to exactly. like really learn a lot about other people and how they've experienced similar mental health stuff than us and also completely different experiences than yeah. us but it's i wanted to ask you a quick question um yeah. so even from like because i've learned so much even from like being on like just doing this for a year yeah um from other people yeah and i've my perspective has grown a lot, especially from other people and learning from them. And obviously I go into my day-to-day life and I forget about it and all this stuff, but the podcast kind of grounds me and brings me back to a place of like groundingness. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you like just being on the podcast, like the first couple of times and even being in another interview when uh, Katie Oliver was on, which was last week's episode. If you want to go listen to it with me and Matt, um, what have you like learned or what have you like felt that's like different from like learning shared experiences from other people, mm-hmm. even though you knew her. Like, Yeah. I would say that the biggest thing I learned in the uh, interview that we did with Katie Oliver, I don't, n- I don't necessarily want to say this was like something I learned for the first time, but it was a refresher about mm-hmm. something I'd forgotten, Okay, which okay. was that there's no timeline for any of this. If you get your head on straight when you're 35 and then you make actionable steps to get the rest of your life going at 36 and seven, cool. There's no timeline right. on any of this. Right. If we were able to get the right, uh, you know, uh, doctor and the right series of medication and the right self-awareness to become, uh, you know, actionable really young. Yeah. That was our situation. Right. That's what we right. can bring to the table. But there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with figuring your shit out so long as you do figure your shit out. Right. That's really what I learned. Right. That you don't. Have and to do does it, like it make us. you feel like. Because you and I have a very type A personality, yeah. so we'll just put that yeah. out there. And, yeah. like, very perfectionistic. I have OCD. I've been to exposure therapy for OCD. So, mm-hmm. like, for me, I feel like listening to her in that situation kind of, like, is, like, a sense of relief almost mm-hmm. where it's, like, a weight off my shoulders. I'm like, oh, okay, so, like, there's not as much pressure for, like, this has to be done by 25 and this has to be done by 30 yeah, and this totally. has to be done by 40 totally. and then two children and a husband. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, like, it's stuff like that that, like, you learn from people and you're like, okay, so, like, if life does go this way and people are still happy yeah you know it it shows you that your ideal situation in your head Mm -hmm. can change in a second and that that's okay and then also the other thing is what that interview woke me up to in even the context of you know there's no timeline is that if she had done other things between let's say you know 18 and 35 people would say oh, well, you know, this is a logical step that you'd go to grad school later. Like, if she'd gotten married and had kids at 22 and decided to live that, like, North Dakota life, and then she's like, I am going to go to grad school, and my 30s people would be like, bravo. But then if you don't have the kids, you don't have the family, you're just living your life figuring you out, people think, oh, look at them figuring it out. No, 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 no. We should be happy for everybody who's decided to take initiative in their goddamn life. Exactly. You don't have to do exactly. this before this it's, to get our approval. It's that's not what I'm about saying. That. It's almost like they don't get the validation that somebody else would get because they don't have X, Y, and Z factors yeah. standing behind them. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. they didn't get married before they went to grad school. Mm-hmm. Oh, they didn't do this first. So there's yeah. no order. There's no time limit. There's mm-hmm. no order. And, I, and I did. I wanted to say, like, that we knew each other for, like, a couple of years. And the reason why oh, I feel yeah. like we got close is that, like... There are certain people that... I've known your boyfriend longer than you have. I know. <laughs> I've known your boyfriend since we were both teenagers. Yeah. And, like, I I think that, um, like, the reason why I feel like I connected with you and had, mm-hmm. like, a lot of relations to you was because, you know how there's some people, like... And even I listen to... I'm a really big fan of Tom Segura's podcast, and they talk about, Don't like, I know it. Yeah. And they talk about, like, um, like, everything. But they always say, they're like, if you... Um, 
like ever see somebody like walking down the street who kind of looks like a crazy person you can just look at your friend and be like yo dude like what's going on with that and then people who are like what get them out of your life yeah there's people who get it and then there's people who don't get it and when i connected with you i was like matt gets it you get what i'm feeling like Mm -hmm. i could literally just be like text you and be like i want to kill myself and you're like okay what's wrong like you know i'm not going to but you know i'm just frustrated and there's like a certain line of a relationship where if you know somebody well enough you're gonna know what they mean and like like me saying that might be different than one of your other friends yeah it might be more serious for them yeah there are some people that when you tell them i'm gonna kill myself Mm -hmm. they literally call 911 and send an ambulance to your home and then there are some people who are like okay so what happened at work today that but that's what I need. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. extreme. It's not that. It it's just like, that's where my head is taking me. I know it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I need guidance as to like, okay, But you do have a balcony. Yeah. <laughs> like, jump whenever you want. I mean, want. it's always, yeah, it's three feet away from me right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting close. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, and, and then the, the ability, obviously, to make light of things. Like, both of our families have struggled with addiction, heroin, totally. and all that stuff. And I think that um, it makes you into a different person when you live with somebody like that. Yeah. And um, it's an instant connection. It's like any any Jewish person I see. I know it sounds cliche, but any Jewish mm-hmm. person, I'm going to have more of an instant connection than if I saw another white person. I feel the same way, and I'm not Jewish, and I can't figure out why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <different> <laughs> we issue. know this. It's different another time issue. to talk about. Different, different issue. issue. Yeah, we got to get – we need to redo your uh, 23 and Yeah, we need to get there. through, like, the core of my birthright, like, acceptance and privileges. We should see if – your point one percent entitles me to a one-way yeah, ticket to a war it. zone. We can get a lawyer to push it. I hope. Mr. Um, <laughs> I hope Mr. Schneider's ready. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to um, see if you wanted to like. I, I know the only other thing I was going to mention before we wrap like the intro up is that you know I I thought I thought that it was really important to bring you on to kind of let people know that it's okay to go through these things and there is another side and me and Matt are kind of on the other side and yeah there's days where like we slip up and everything but like it's and I'm not saying like I'm queen I'm on the other side of depression I'm on the other side of this but I'm I'm figuring my shit out and I think that it's important for people to hear what we've been through yeah and then know that since we're here we're like okay it's possible this is an AA meeting for people who have mental illness yeah it really is yeah it really is except for it's it's not really anonymous we actually want thousands of people to listen to it please 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 but yeah my middle name is yeah (laughs) (laughs) because we are recovering people recovering through these things because the process is never over because you and I are both still on meds and still trying to figure out what's the best yeah. way to deal with our lives exactly exactly and um i wanted to just wrap it up there we're gonna bring on our guest in a couple of minutes we're gonna take a quick break um but if is there anything else that you wanted to like add um i just wanted to let everyone know that my favorite lip liner is rimmel coffee bean okay and thank you Hello, and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experiences in a psych ward. Today, we have special guest, Carolyn Simon. How you doing, Carolyn? I'm excited but nervous. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Don't be course. nervous. You have a new friend. You have an old <laughs> friend. We're going to have a good time. Yeah, We're going to tell the truth. It's going to be great balance. Yes. Um, but so I know that you know the first question I always ask is how much time have you done? And that's pretty subjective, but I just wanted to ask how much time you've done, Carolyn. Yeah, so professional help-wise, I started getting it when I was 15 years old. I was in an intensive outpatient program for over a year where I would go three to four days a week after school and on the weekends, which included talking with a nutritionist, an individual therapist, um, family therapy, group therapy, and I was hospitalized twice, just very briefly, kind of overnight stints, um, once for a panic disorder and another for some medication misunderstanding 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been through a lot. Um, Since but, you were 15. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, because I typically ask because I do have people on the podcast that don't talk about being in a psych ward. So I like to mm-hmm. get as much information out there about what the psych yeah. experience is like, even if it's for a day. Um, mm-hmm. Because not a lot of people go into it. We kind of tangent a lot. So if you could just, like, maybe elaborate a little bit more about, like, um, what the experience was like for you and also why you stayed in for a day because not a lot of people know like the legality situations of things and stuff like that. Right. So the first time I was taken there, I had a awful panic attack and my dad, it was me and my dad in my basement and I, neither of us really knew what to do. So he took me to the hospital and I was admitted. I just remember being so anxious. I was having a hard time breathing. It's honestly kind of a blur, like almost a blackout on almost um at the time my mom was asleep so we had to have a neighbor go and wake her up which was traumatizing for all of us yeah um but once I was there we had to wait a little bit because they had to get someone to come evaluate me this was super late at night I mean yeah and just to interrupt they don't let you go from the hospital depending on what you're admitted for I just want people to know that like it because if you go in for like you know you think you break your leg and then you get an x-ray and you're fine and you can leave but with like mental health like there are certain like legal rules and if right. you go in for a certain reason then you have to meet certain criteria in order to leave right or stay yes so yeah so they calmed me down um with some medication and then <laughs> we had um just with a tranquilizer yeah, it's i'm fine. not really sure what cool, they gave yeah. me a stuffed <laughs> animal was not gonna cut it no yeah. but it we worked. are past a care bear at this moment this yes. is a tough night yes um so then they had someone come in and evaluate me i wasn't suicidal or anything i just had a really bad panic attack and didn't know how to calm myself down so they had Did some, you think you were gonna die I I didn't see an end to the panic, if yeah. that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't, yep. at the time, I wasn't really thinking, am I going to live or die? I was just thinking, I don't think this will ever end. Like, I don't see a way out of this intense panic I'm having right now. Yeah. And that happens every time I have a panic attack. Like, I, uh, yeah. it's any, it doesn't, mm-hmm. like, in terms of panic attacks, those don't really get better like I feel Mm -hmm. like when you have them you can can, my panic attack frequency has gotten better yes have them as yes but when you're having one that shit's not going away I haven't had one in over like 10 years so I know the next one's gonna paralyze me like I literally know the (laughs) next one Matt for a few weeks you know why the next one I'm gonna be like hey Drew can you move into a building with an elevator I can't do stair uh, wheelchair it's bad it's Mm. bad I had a thought and I'm in a wheelchair now that's funny. Yeah, I haven't not had funny. one. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, I'm not popping wheelies in it. That would be funny. Yeah. That would be funny. Just using one's not funny. Right. Um, but so you went to the, you went and got evaluated and then you. Yes. Yeah. And, and eventually. What did, say? what did they say? So they were basically assessing me. It was like a suicide risk assessment, which mm. I was not at risk for at the time. And so after I don't even know how long it was I'm assuming it was many hours then I was able to come home and it was a weekend so I was able to you know go to bed early on in the morning and kind of sleep through the day and obviously you know told my all the information got released to my therapist and my treatment team so that was the first time which was and so you had you were hospitalized during the time that you were going to a program yes okay. this was after okay. i started my iop program yes so how old were you when you went to the hospital that time 
15. Okay, so this was all in the same yes. year that you started, but it was after you started. Okay. okay. Yes, yes. So I had been struggling with countless things for many years before I was actually got help. That's but, what I wanted to ask about. Yeah. What, yeah. Were, what were like the triggers either to you or your family that were like, oh, okay, she needs help. Carolyn like isn't doing great right yeah. now. Yeah, so I kind of my main issue at the time was bulimia and... I had lost some weight my freshman year of high school, and I had attributed when people would ask or notice, I would say it was because I was working out and just eating better, Mm -hmm. Um, even though that clearly was not the case. So eventually, two of my really good friends found out, caught on, and they told me that I had to tell my parents or they would tell them for me. So they... See, those are good friends. Yeah, at the time, I was really pissed. But that's that's what a good friend yeah. is. Yeah. You know they're good friends when you're mad at them. I was so mad because at Because if they were bad friends, they would have just been like, okay, let's wait till it gets yeah. really bad and then we'll right. maybe say something. Yeah, your friend, you were your reaction to the way your friends were was like, Ugh, why do you guys want me to be safe? Exactly. Right, right. right. Why do you guys like me? <laughs> Why do you want me to make it to graduation? Just fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And so my, um, I went with one of my friends to talk to my youth pastor, actually, who okay. <laughs> has been a big part of my life. Like, I trust him with yeah. so much. Yeah. And so we told him. And he was surprisingly so calm. He was like, okay, mm-hmm. let's go tell your parents. Like, mm-hmm. I'll come with you. Mm-hmm. And I was freaking Were out. Were you surprised by that? Um... Yes, because to me, it seemed like the biggest deal in the world. And it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, no, totally. To actually admit that I was bulimic and needed help because I was not doing okay. Um, so to finally tell someone and have them be like, okay, you want to go tell your parents now? I was like, are you not taking this seriously? Yeah. But I realized that for him, he had probably heard it before. And for me, it was just like the end of the world as I knew it. Can I ask what denomination of Christian you grew up? Yeah, so we were Presbyterian. Okay. Um, which is very, our church was very chill, very liberal, very yeah. focused on being a better person in the world and not like rules in the Bible. Yeah, mm. that helps. To, I think that's probably part of the well, environment why you had a youth pastor who could like hear you say that. And oh, also yeah. I'll be really chill with it. Oh, yeah. we can tell and, like, him anything. Very yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I think it's really cool. Um, or like really interesting you said something about um when the pastor was like talking to you or something and asked you oh god i lost my train of thought um i don't know keep going sorry so you went to the youth (laughs) pastor it'll come to me eventually yeah um so you went to the youth pastor and then he told your parents well so we were gonna go talk to them together um Typical teenage me, I wanted to wait until after the Justin Bieber concert I had scheduled for the next night. You're so That is, that is so is funny. Classic I didn't want my eyes to be puffy. <laughs> I wanted to look my best. You wanted to have good pictures for your Facebook. Right. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to tell my parents and then have to like go to a Justin Bieber concert not looking fire. Yeah. Wait, so this is what I was gonna say. It came back to me. So when you were talking to you mentioned that when you were talking to the pastor and like he didn't like almost react you were Mm -hmm. just like wait why are you like so chill about this yeah i feel like that happened to me when people are like okay we're gonna take these steps i'm like no but i want you to know everything right now process it with me and make me feel better make me feel like i'm not Mm -hmm. alone in the world like it's just like when you first tell everybody that thing you're like it's like off your shoulders but then it's not a relief yet because you feel like the person that was they're helping you versus like Mm -hmm. almost being like oh yeah that's 
like socks. Right. Well, that's the thing about getting help. No one can receive your problems and your illness the way you want them to. Exactly. Like a a chill. Like okay, what do you think we? Sh- what do you think makes sense? We need to talk to your parents. Let's talk to your parents. Like right. a chill reactions are the best thing you can get. Right. Because mm-hmm. anything else probably not like helpful or constructive. Probably you, not helpful. But in the moment though, when you're like in that state, I'm like, I just want to be held. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. Really, freaked like, out. Yeah. If he had freaked out and was like, oh my god, you know, then I would have freaked out too. Like. Yeah. So his reaction but, actually totally. was. But a- I'm saying, like, after the chillness, I feel like sometimes you just want, like, like yes. you know, when it's like you have those friends that like are always solution. They're always like, mm-hmm. this is what to do, and you're like, no, Problem I just want solving. you to hug me and like yeah. tell me it's okay, and you know what I mean, that yeah. sort of thing. But yes. um, so he told your parents, and then you went to the and the just well, Bieber no, concert. so I was with him when we told my parents. Okay. It was the night before Halloween, sophomore <laughs> year of high school, and. I told them someone was coming over and we had to talk in the basement and they were both freaking out. Um, they totally thought you were pregnant by some oh guy in the God. mafia or like in a motorcycle. Right. Right. I should have brought the pastor over to tell them. That <laughs> that's like a really good selection of a supporter, but that's interesting. Right. Uh, that's but, what my friends did when they got pregnant in high school. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, they probably were so scared, but I don't think they were not prepared really for what I told them. I don't really think they had any idea, honestly, Mm -hmm. but then the next morning, my mom had already done research on like places where we were going to go and we were going to work on this. Like there was no questioning or not questioning as in like, there was no, are you sure? Or right. Like, are you sure? You know, not okay. Like, 100%. Were they, so when you told them though, did they know and were they relieved or were they like, oh, I didn't know? No, they had no idea. Okay. That's really? the thing with eating disorders is they're so secretive and I was so good at hiding mm-hmm. it. And you learn how to hide and lie very well. Yeah. And I mean, I would, you know, do my beha- my bulimic behaviors when everyone was asleep or outside the house. So no one would ever know. Mm-hmm. And I had lost weight, but. It wasn't an, at such an alarming rate because typically with bulimia, you're more quote unquote normal, normal sized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it had just looked like, oh, I had toned up a little bit, even though it was due to being very unhealthy. It was unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. It was unhealthy. You were not mm-hmm. treating your body well. Yeah. yeah it's, it is it, dangerous. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, I talk about like even eating disorders and like this might be like graphic for some people, but like the thing about eating disorders is that like they're so addicting. And I think that yeah. like, like mm-hmm. even just. To be honest, and I know this might be like biased, but like I think bulimia seems a little more addicting than um, anorexia would mm. be because anorexia is more about the control, which like it might feel great mm-hmm. to control something. But bulimia, like I remember one time, like I, I wasn't bulimic, but I had behaviors that like mm-hmm. lean towards that and I would make myself throw up and I literally felt like I was like on cocaine or something. Yeah, like, it's definitely yeah. a high. It's mm-hmm. like and it feels good. And I'm like. Oh, like life's cool. Like I, I'm better. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you, you, you come down from it. Yeah. And then, it's and then the you're starting cycle. again. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. so it's like it's definitely a cycle. But I don't think people understand that. Like, it's not. Maybe speak to like how it's like not. It's obviously not a choice, but it's like it's so hard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I even remember talking to you. I know you want to get like back to your story and stuff, but I remember talking oh. to you one time, um, a while ago, and I was like. Yeah, like, my depression um, is, like, you know, I feel like my depression was, like, a little bit easier for me to get over mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, I remember you said something about how the eating disorder might have been more difficult than depression, or was it the other way around? No, it was actually the other way around. Okay, So, okay. yeah, for me, I got the behaviors under control pretty quickly. And when I say I was bulimic, it wasn't strictly just 
throwing up. It was over exercising. It was then restricting food and then binging and then uh-huh. mm-hmm. getting rid of it via either restricting again or throwing up. So right, from- and that's what people think that like bulimia is strictly like mm-hmm. eating more than the normal amount and mm-hmm. then throwing it up. Oh, but there's no. a ton of versions of bulimia. You, if you take laxatives. Yeah, I was just oh, yeah. Say that. oh yeah. I La- forgot about that. I did that. I did laxatives. <laughs> I took like then, appetite suppressants, yeah. oh, which yeah, I don't think worked pills. at all. Yeah. What and do you so, think I smoke cigarettes for? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> we'll get to anything we can do to get that body. <laughs> no, but it's like, I, I think that sometimes people, and this is why I bring people on who have different issues on. Like it's, I love having people with eating disorders on because, because it's really not talked about a lot mm-hmm. and depression and anxiety are more in the forefront right now and I don't yeah. think eating disorders are like kind of right now so I think that knowing that there's like multiple ways and like if you exhibit mm-hmm. someone who's in the bathroom 24-7 not right. just throwing up but like in the bathroom and saying like I go you know poop 10 times a day okay maybe there's something going right. on you know like th- there's and then exercising is also a form of bulimia because you're ex- mm-hmm. you're it's it's the the word mm-hmm. technically means like removing yeah. Yeah. from your body so mm-hmm. you know it's like that's yeah there's more than one way to do it yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I had a friend who was diagnosed as a chronic overexerciser. yes that's such a thing that was a legit thing that happened mm-hmm. to her there are many different ways to have bulimia and if that's your primary presence of it mm-hmm. of like literally running yourself into the ground yeah like it's different for everyone right right yeah. I would put on dark clothes in the heat of the summer because I knew the dark you clothes would sweat. make me sweat you more sweat. and I would force myself to run every day before work sometimes after work and I would feel so good if I felt faint because that meant I had a good workout. Was it about numbers for you or the way you looked or the way you felt in clothes? Because oh, some people obsess over a number. <laughs> yeah. They obsess like over an above. outfit. <laughs> Literally D for all me, the above. Yeah, for me it was all of the above, but we're yeah. talking about you. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean all of the above for me. It was definitely about the number. I tried to, I tricked my parents into getting me a scale because like to hold myself accountable, which was all BS. I, oh, would, yeah. I would weigh myself so many times a day. Um, you're just like mom dad i'm in eighth grade and i don't have 40 dollars. please help right (laughs) oh my god i got it like my freshman year of high school and i yeah it was it was clothes it was um the number on the scale that i saw i was obsessed with the bmi calculator and would put in different weights all the time to see like what you would be tomorrow versus today yeah or if i just lost like 10 more easy pounds would i be considered underweight like i just i wanted that label i wanted to be so good at my eating disorder like Mm -hmm. i wanted to be Mm -hmm. the best bulimic there ever was so Mm -hmm. were you comparing yourself to like you as far as like oh well i'm only three pounds thinner than i was last month or were you comparing yourself to like other women like out in the world or Mm -hmm. people in high school or was it just like internal like you thing I would say it was so much more other people and I was a big celebrity fanatic yeah so I Mm -hmm. loved reading you know us weekly magazine people magazine (laughs) and I remember that Carolyn oh yeah it's like every six months they come out with the issue half their size and I was like that is gonna be me I'm gonna have a feature story I'm gonna weigh 60 pounds (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah i'm gonna be a toddler gonna get back to my third grade self no i mean 60 pounds. like <laughs> i yeah it was so much celebrities and any uh, so many external influences but also like you said i would be like well i'm better because i lost a pound so it's mm-hmm. a better version of yeah. me mm-hmm. oh yeah there's like tv shows and shit where you see like people being really really competitive and then they'll like trick other people into getting better so that like they can be the best at like mm. their sort like yeah. there are certain things that like your mind tricks you into thinking 
And yeah. um, I listen to Dr. Drew. If people aren't a fan, I'm sorry, but I listen to him <laughs> sometimes. And he always says, he's like, never listen to your thoughts. Never listen to your thoughts. Yeah. Because your thoughts are never right. <laughs> They're not facts. Your brain yeah. is lying to you. Well, yeah, but oh, because, because there are certain things in therapy, and I'm sure you've learned this if you've been in therapy, is thought challenging. And you're supposed mm-hmm. to be aware of every one of your thoughts, not every one of your thoughts, not like autopilot, mm-hmm. you know, day to day. Right. If there are thoughts that come in that aren't normal, you should think and then be like, okay, logically, that's not true. Mm-hmm. This and this and this is here. And I do I'm, not look like a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I am not 500 pounds <laughs> like, in this shirt. I'm right. not. Right. I, it might yeah. not be the most yeah. flattering. Right. Maybe I'll put another shirt on. Like, maybe I need a different stuff. bra. Okay. Right. Okay. Exactly. And so um, I wanted to ask you this if you're comfortable talking about it. Oh, yeah. Whatever Um, it is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Both of us had breast reductions. I wanted to know if that helped you with your eating disorder at all. Yeah. So I got mine done. Oh, how old was I? Um, High school? When I was 19. No. Freshman year of college. It was, wait. No, it was right after my sophomore year of college. So 20 maybe? Take that back. Yeah, yeah, 20. right before I turned 20, literally okay. right before. Okay. Um, and I would say in terms of behaviors, my sophomore year, I had a slight, I don't even really want to call it a relapse. I would just say I was kind of getting obsessed with weight again. I was trying to cover it up with like my Fitbit steps and like I have to hit 20,000 steps a day because that's oh. healthy. So I was yeah. losing weight. Yeah. They call it like a, we learned this in therapy a while ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know guys learned this, but like it's called like a lapse. Yeah. This is like a relapse. Like mm-hmm. there's lapsing and relapsing and la- lapsing is like less severe than relapsing. Mm-hmm. Relapsing yeah. would be the full blown. I'm getting a scale. I'm doing my Because yeah. a lapse you know? is like, I know what I'm doing. I just am not going to think about it. <laughs> right. 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 Yes. And then when you're full relapsed, it's you're just you like, I'm not thinking about it. and I'm not controlling myself anymore. And this is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's <laughs> over. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. done. Yeah. So sophomore year, you got a breast reduction. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, remember thinking what I weighed did not make sense because my body was thin but my tits were huge and so (laughs) yeah you had like disproportionately yeah the number on the scale was not right with my boobs factored yeah and Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting because like obviously like both of us went through the same thing like yours were disproportional because yours were bigger than mine Mm -hmm. but in my situation, I felt like I was very disproportionate because of how yep. short I was. And it's like uh-huh. everybody has their own mm-hmm. like version of like how yeah. how it makes you feel like that's not how you should look like. Mm-hmm. It definitely helped mentally, I would say, the most because yeah. for so long, while I was in the midst of my eating disorder, I would use my cleavage to help with my self-confidence. And I okay. hate to admit it, but it's so true. Like mm-hmm. if I ever needed a little boost in confidence I was like well I have these big old titties so like I'll use them to my advantage and so I would say but then I would also get a lot of unwanted attention so Mm -hmm. it was okay when I wanted it but then all the backhanded comments or glares or men approaching me at times I didn't want it right really sucked so it did help so much mentally because I finally felt like I am more than like my bra size right um and it did help me feel like, okay, I'm more proportionate. Um, so it did help in a lot of ways, yes. Mm-hmm. I will say as a guy, I've noticed every woman who's gotten a breast reduction remembers their old bra size. Like prisoners remember their old number. Yes, I will never forget. <laughs> like 5409127 Alcatraz, motherfucker. Dude, <laughs> me, and me and Carolyn have been friends for a really long time. And like we went, I remember the first time you got like a triple D or something. Mm-hmm. And that was like 
a long time. That was probably high school. like 15. Yeah. And Victoria's Secret was like, we don't really have these bras. I was like, oh. 36. (laughs) It was like a 30. We took a picture of you and there was like a card that said like 36 Uh, triple D. Uh And we were like, we were like, I was so proud of it. And and it was, yeah. (laughs) But like that, but then that's the thing with like boobs is like no matter how much weight you lose or how much bigger you get or Mm -hmm. they stay the same they're still there and that but that's with people who need breast reductions now there are some situations where like if you do lose weight they might get smaller but like Mm -hmm. if you lose like a significant amount it's still not going to make a difference right and when i i lost weight in between the time of my consultation and when i got the surgery and they Mm -hmm. were the exact same size yeah exactly and that's the thing with me where like i went in a little bit knowing i was like a little bit not overweight, but more than I, what I right. usually am. And um, the, yeah, they were still the same. Right. Like, and, like, and, yeah. and I lost weight and they're still the same. Right. It's, it's <laughs> like, it's all, yeah. I, there's um there's a difference between uh, fat and glands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are some people like my friend, I think my friend Mackenzie who had one, she, um, I, she had one and might've had the same size as you, as you Carolyn. Okay. And um, she said that they, Maybe took a scan. I'm not sure, but she they could mm. tell that it was glands instead okay. of fat, so they mm-hmm. knew that if she lost weight, it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, or if she gained, like whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like right. it was like a necessary procedure. Yes. So I think that, um, you know, it's just it it's really dependent on that, and I think that it does help with, um, the eating disorder because part of the reason, I mean, at least for me, part of the reason why I wanted it was because it it made me feel like I was bigger when I had big. Yes, mm-hmm. or so, like I had, I would wear like the huge shirts and it would look like mm. I was pregnant because they would go out to my boobs and yeah. fall yeah. down. Your boobs were pregnant. Yeah, I looked, yeah. Yeah, okay, it's so like, yeah. Something I wanted to ask, because you said after the breast reduction, you just felt like more comfortable like mm-hmm. out in the world, more comfortable in clothes, more comfortable around men, just more comfortable, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, like some of your insecurity about the way you looked or maybe some of the thoughts in your head that led to some of the eating disorder behavior were like possibly initiated by like the changes in your body that happened in puberty? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, that's I, like a loaded question. Yeah. That's a good question. I would say at first it was a relief and I wasn't, while I was cover, recovering, I wasn't really thinking eating disorder thoughts, you know, like from the surgery, I mm-hmm. mean, um, and then I couldn't work out for a significant amount of Months. time. Yes, because I like couldn't get my heart rate up or I couldn't get sweaty because of the stitches. You couldn't wear a shirt you had to pull over your head for how long? Right. I had to be <laughs> my parents, limited. my mom had and sister had to like help dress me yeah. at yeah, one totally. time. Um it's, it's buttons and robes for a right. long time. <laughs> yeah, dude. I have like those I still have some of those buttoned up oh, pajamas. I, I think I just threw them away. But the disgusting bras. Yeah. They yeah. so wouldn't even fit but anymore. It's it's it's, de- <laughs> it's really hard because people don't really understand that it's like you get them done and Mm -hmm. it's like that's how it's going to be for the rest of your life right and you really need to take care of them because you shouldn't ruin it and it's not worth running a mile so that you can fuck up your boobs and Mm -hmm. and it's not even like that it's your boobs and it's like you know the only people who sees it is me and my boyfriend you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying but it's like that doesn't matter to me it's more of like no one wants right it's like you you don't want you don't want it to be fucked up you want it to look like a typical mm-hmm. body you don't want it to be scarred or anything and so it's difficult when like do you keloid at all did you keep that like affected me because i it Kilo? like is that a cream it's like a scar it's when i had the scar cream raised. like yeah. when they come up a little oh, bit off your skin a and they little might bit be, like okay. now, darker now they sometimes. look so pretty like yeah. my scars are basically gone mm-hmm. um but 
Yeah, kind of. I but like when I couldn't work out or do anything, I started gaining weight naturally because well, I was. Yeah, you're not moving. Right, and so I would say that more so brought up some old insecurities okay. of me gaining weight and and not related to the boobs. I would love totally. the boobs. Okay. Totally. Because it was you're out just, of, it's out of your norm. Right. Yeah. And then you don't even get to like reap the benefits of the breast reduction right. because you're going through the process of healing. So you're not, you yeah. don't, you're yeah. not on the other side yet where you're like, oh my God, this was the best decision. Right. And my back feels better. I you couldn't know I mean? go on a run with just one sports bra instead of two or three for yeah. months after. Yeah. And, and, and then you feel the benefits later where it's mm-hmm. like now I like wear shirts that are like so tiny and I'm like I didn't know I was small like I didn't, right you know what I mean because yeah. I because I would wear your boobs yeah I would yeah, I well I sometimes I would go shopping and come home crying because I'm like mm-hmm. I'm not, why am like I nothing fits large? yeah yes you yes. know what I mean I'm like why am I an extra large and I'm 5'2 and small right. you know why am I getting yeah. a size 10 shirt right exactly like, when exactly. the rest of me is a 4 like exactly. what's going on yes. right. and that's why and it is frustrating and then there's labels of, of sizes and that whole deal where it's like yeah. an, it's an extra large but it fits me and it, it's a whole right. thing mm-hmm. so now I feel better where like I can go on ASOS and like type in like my weight and my height and mm-hmm. then they give me the clothes and everything fits me and I'm like wow this is right. like what a normal person's supposed to feel like <laughs> this is how shopping works yeah. wow. and it is like obviously like even my boobs I think are like I'm like they're so small but even like mm-hmm. one of my friends was like they're still bigger than mine right <laughs> yeah. yes exactly like, fuck you they're still yeah. bigger than mine and you got a reduction but yeah seriously like you don't realize it because it's it's obviously in comparison to what you were used to yes. you only know your own self but um so when you were in because we so then fast forward yes. so after your like IOP program and stuff like that like the rest of high school like how was mm-hmm. that for you and stuff like that because we were in some similar programs and stuff yes oh yes um <laughs> so high school I really did like high school like I loved our friend group I really enjoyed learning mm-hmm. um and so yeah I cut back on IOP I still see my therapist who I started when I was 15 to this day awesome I have a session with her tomorrow I'm so excited <laughs> that's such a long relationship yeah I texted her I was like our eight year is coming up in October no you didn't What'd which you is say? crazy to think are you guys um, gonna go on vacation together <laughs> <laughs> she does not tell me typical therapist fashion she does not tell me a lot about her life even though I pry I pry hard I pry <laughs> so hard for I, my I'm like just tell me dude I, I do too one time she was my therapist was like I'm at my boyfriend's and I was like boyfriend boyfriend wait who what's his name where are you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are you? give me your address show me your location how big is his dick ev- I want to know yeah. <laughs> she knows well, that's, everything that's, about me that comes later <laughs> oh that that's my first question we transition yeah that's my first different. question yeah, I but, start hot yeah but that's how you know they're good though right um but yeah so I cut back on IOP um sometime junior year no I'm sorry yeah yeah junior year and then when I visited Indiana University, actually, that's where I went to, to college. Dope. Um, I loved it and I didn't want to like it. I didn't want to go to like a Midwestern Big Ten school that other Deerfield kids had gone to. I didn't even want to go visit. And I loved it. On the way home, my mom and I were talking very honestly. And she just straight up told me that um, going four and a half hours away was not going to be a possibility if I didn't get my shit together she didn't Mm -hmm. use those exact words but she and my dad weren't gonna send me somewhere if my depression was still brutal if I was still having panic attacks and throughout therapy I was definitely trying but I was still kind of like I'm gonna hold on to a few of these behaviors yeah like I'm not gonna give up everything it's almost like it's your little secret and that's like what that's right that's part of the control thing too where it's like Mm -hmm. certain things like I tell I'm like an open book but then there are a few things that I like don't share with people because 
it's like yeah. almost like a power thing where I'm like, right. oh, this is something I have that you can't know. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's like, I think that everybody has those things, even yeah. if they don't want to admit it. But I love mm-hmm. how honest your parents were with you because they're like, if you need to stay here and you need our support, we can do that. Yeah. If yes. you're willing to work on you and then be ready to be four hours away from the family, they want, yeah. that's you, cool too. But we're not going to throw 40 grand down the goddamn right. garbage like, disposal gonna, for you to come back in a month. Right. We're not going to yeah. gamble with no. your well-being no, and literally. just send you off no. if you're not ready. And, and I no. respected that. And do you think that your experience would have been different if your parents weren't as supportive? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, to be believed, not necessarily believed, but for me to say I, you know, have anxiety, depression, OCD, panic disorder, eating disorder. And for my parents to be like, okay, yep, let's go get you the help. Yeah. Was so amazing. And I, to me, that was the norm. And over the years, I've met people whose parents were not supportive. And it was shocking to me at first Mm -hmm. because dealing with something so intense, I can't imagine not having a solid support system. And without the help, both emotionally, financially from my parents, I wouldn't have gone to IU. I wouldn't be pursuing a master's. I don't know where I would be. Yeah. Something that I was thinking about when you were talking about the support you got from your family from Mm -hmm. like high school on, just in terms of them believing you and them being there for you, I think about how like demasculinized mental health is considered Mm. and so I thought of like wow that must have been a big step for her dad who was probably born in 1960 something to be Mm -hmm. like okay this is actually real like because a lot of people don't grow up with dads or if they Mm -hmm. do he's not super supportive when there's sort of sensitive stuff happening so like your dad was there from the get-go did he need prodded like or he was just down to take care of his baby no I mean so my dad has he has two girls and a boy and my dad is incredible he I wouldn't label him as sensitive but he will cry from time to time and I'm sorry dad but like he's a normal human being <laughs> know, he has feelings right? okay but <laughs> they dad, you had a feeling so once, they sorry. wanted me to tell my siblings that I was seeking help after a few weeks of therapy and I didn't want to but when I finally sat down with my siblings and told them this is kind of what's going on my dad burst into tears and he was just saying that he was so proud of me for admitting it to my siblings who I adore and I'm the oldest in my family. I never want to look weak in front of them. So Mm -hmm. for me to admit such a vulnerability and then to see my dad so happy that I was able to share that. I mean, my dad and I, we butt heads sometimes because we're very similar. Mm -hmm. And there were times where he and my mom would both not really understand my eating disorder. You know, they might say comments such as like, well, just stop eating or just eat this. Um, Or, you know, why are you throwing up? And I think that's normal for people to wonder. But then they also realize through our family therapy and through their own journey that, you know, if I if I could have stopped, I wouldn't be in there. No one wants Mm -hmm. to be here. Right. Like like you're not asking like you literally you're like, I no, I'm not choosing this. Right. I didn't want to spend fifteen hours a week in therapy when I was sixteen years old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. And then so after college, like, so you said that you kind of had like a like a lapse, I mm-hmm. guess, in college. Like, what helped you like get through that? Because you're obviously like, you know, better now. Yeah, um, yeah. Recovering. Yeah. It's always a process. So I would say, yeah, my sophomore year, I started working out a ton, and I prioritized that over everything. So like, I okay. lost some friends in my sorority because. Oh, I wouldn't go to a party because I didn't want to drink. And I had to have a good workout the next morning. So I had to go mm. to bed early. Um, and so I was also in a relationship that was very 
intense for our age and I spent a lot of time talking to my boyfriend at the time Mm -hmm. so that took a lot of my time and I don't regret that but I would say once the relationship ended and I went abroad to Rome now this is my junior year fast forward um when I studied abroad I once again gained weight but mentally was feeling so much better and I was feeling that my life was more about me as it should be at 20 21 years old And then my senior year of college, I just wanted to be selfish. And I was. And I had a great time. I really prioritized being with people and sacrificing workouts for quality time, which was hard. And I still struggle with today. But Mm -hmm. it was it was a very good decision, I think, for me to put myself in a whole new environment in Rome, not be in such a serious relationship and live with amazing people my yeah it took year. you out of your situation you're like well there, there's literally another world right mm-hmm. you know and like it was you wonderful go and you're like oh okay so like my problems only exist in like my my little bubble mm-hmm. kind of thing and i think that like something interesting is that i mean you kind of bring up like that being out of your bubble can like mm-hmm. really help you and stuff like that i think that like mm-hmm. i don't know i i do think that like a change of envir- environment like really yeah. helps um I think that my even just in personal experience like my eating disorder got really better when my mom moved downtown and I wasn't in Deerfield and felt like I had nothing to do Mm -hmm. I was like oh I'll take a walk instead of focusing on eating like there was like life in the world and right you know and like stuff like that I think that that really helps um in terms of like getting uh out of your own head almost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like I think that that is something that we don't even realize as somebody with mental illness you're so obsessed with yourself and yeah. you're so obsessed mm-hmm. with your own issues and your own head and everything and you're so obsessed with like me 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 yeah, you me. just can't escape it's like a vicious cycle yeah and there is some argument that like obsessive behavior like that whether it's over an eating disorder obsessive compulsiveness uh, a perfectionist streak a workaholic uh alcoholic even any kind of like um obsessive behavior like that comes from a place of like some level of boredom because hmm. like if you're like fully yeah. occupied no, I, no, if you're fully occupied you don't have space in your mind for all that shit you're just living your life my mm. eating disorder got so bad when i came home from college and i wasn't doing school i was doing nothing mm. you know what i mean like you had I an was extra doing, 60 yeah. hours a week i had my therapy group which like my therapy that i went to that kind of like really really helped me mm-hmm. but like during that time it was awful because i had no friends because everybody was at college mm-hmm. and i was yeah. home. i was fucking bored mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then as soon as i went to the city and the city's like bing bang boom you right, know so like to do very yeah. hustle bustle city and like i felt like and i walked outside every day me and my mom walked like three miles a day together in the city like mm-hmm. downtown and so like that for me really opened my eyes to like okay i'm walking and it's 12 o'clock and i don't have to eat if i don't want to if i'm not right. hungry. like that's mm-hmm. you know the, the the stuff that changes those patterns i think that a lot of eating disorder behaviors and all that stuff is based on patterns and if you kind of just break the pattern which might seem mm-hmm. so fucking scary oh, but if you just sure. do it it's so much better on the other side mm-hmm. it's so much better um yeah. and i think that um like it's it's very interesting i wanted to ask you this too because like i've talked to somebody else about this how like growing up in our area i think would breed eating disorders more than oh yeah more than <laughs> another place um and it's not like blaming that it's just mm-hmm. the culture is very um high pressure high stakes high money um high social status i mean everything is like amped up almost to a point where it it's not it's almost like funny because mm-hmm. it's like it nobody really matters you know what i'm saying yeah. like nobody mm-hmm. matters that much that yeah we should have be having eating disorder over right but it happens time and time again like even mm-hmm. with the like drug situation my brother's a heroin addict like 
he was struggling so much probably from the pressure too because he didn't have any friends and yeah. he couldn't make friends and then it's mm-hmm. so clicky because it's mm-hmm. deer field and it's hard and i think like um i don't know if that affected you but that definitely affected your you. parents oh, would have yeah. moved to the hood if they'd have known it would have helped yeah <laughs> they really 79th <laughs> and halstead money, let me tell you 79th that, so. and oh, halstead yeah. they just would have been like okay wear a bulletproof vest go to school have a good time <laughs> <laughs> yeah deerfield is such a bubble and my parents have described it as that for mm-hmm. so long and it's so true i mean it's you are bred to you're going to go to college and you're going to go to a good college it's there's, not an option no there's no such thing as a gap year no. nope you are looked down upon if you go anywhere but a traditional Big Ten Ivy League. Like, if you go to a community college, God forbid, like, to save money. like <laughs> Or because you, you don't know what you want to major right? in and you don't want to waste fucking a hundred grand. Oh, yeah. That is social <laughs> suicide. Like, it's, I mean, you are, right, you're doing the camps. You're doing the sports. You're doing the clubs. You are have to get straight A's. And the instruments. This. Don't forget the goddamn yes, instruments. I'm sorry. Yeah, you exactly. need to have a hobby. You need to be good at it, and right. you need to look good while needle doing point it. in the viola. Just <laughs> but every. it's but it's not it's not it's not even just that. It's kind of just like you know when you when people ask you like how is it different being a woman than being a male in today's society? And there's not really one concrete answer for that. It's mm-hmm. just more of like the little day to day microaggression yeah. stuff that you kind of accumulate, and you're like, oh, this is kind of harder than right. a typical experience. I think that's how Deerfield is. It's not like every day you wake up, you're like, oh, this sucks. I'm in the North Shore. No, you're right. in it. But it, it it's like a slow suicide of like poison almost. Mm-hmm. Where it's like this is affecting me and this pressure and this pressure. And then I don't want this person to find out because this person knows this person who knows the alderman. And then everyone's going to say anything. Right. And then, you know what I'm saying? It's like everybody's connected to everybody. And yeah, that the Deerfield so Moms Facebook group. Oh, my God. I have oh. so many people that want to come on my podcast that don't because they're afraid of Deerfield. I mean, what? I'm serious. It's just it's not. And I and I won't. I mean, and you probably know their names because there's five yeah. people in Deerfield. But let the it's people like, talk. Let no, talk. no, but it's just it's stuff like that where it's like the pressure <laughs> and still to this day, like my friends are 23 and they're still afraid yeah. and they're mm-hmm. out of college and graduated. And I have a very different experience yeah. because of the stuff that I went through. But but I think that especially with you, like mm-hmm. I think that you saw another side to it and it shaped your personality in a very different way because of the stuff that mm-hmm. you experienced be- because of the environment you were in yeah it made you a different it made the the therapy group that we were in different. right and when you talked that's a really good point how you talked about the males and females because in deerfield the typical deerfield mom was didn't work um their no. full-time job was the gym you almost mm-hmm. judge if you work oh yeah. yeah and i am not i am not judging anyone who has this lifestyle but i thought i was going to be a stay-at-home mom in my Lululemon clothes, working, having three workout classes a day, driving my white Range Rover with my Starbucks. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't look like these Deerfield moms, so I better get to it because this is my future right here. <laughs> and when I started realizing, like, okay, I don't have to move back to Deerfield. I'm not going to be doing Soul Cycle for three hours a day. I'm not going to change my name to Cindy. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to be – I don't know. It just – the expectations a lot of the Deerfield moms and then to their daughters as well was to be this very put together, nice jewelry always, athleisure yeah. clothes. It's fake, but it's yeah. But and and the thing I was gonna say about that is that it's so interesting that, um, and I don't know if this is 
you've had this experience yet, but since I've started comedy, I've gotten a ton of like fake friends almost. Matt knows mm. this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's those friends that go. Hi. How are you? Oh, my God. It's been so long. <laughs> I miss Can you. I listen, uh, you look so good. Uh, I just, I see when I'm just, I feel so great So I have time. multiple experiences with people from Deerfield who mm-hmm. will only contact me to like come see my shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then once they come see my shows, they'll like Instagram story me and do all this shit. And then be like, I'm obsessed with you. Laugh Factory Chicago. Laugh Factory Chicago. I'm there. Drew's the best comedian. Like so, and I'm like, oh, so so you helped me get to a show with 350 people that are all laughing at me. No, they. Mm. But but that's that's not the issue. The issue is that you can see how hungry they are for what we have, and that's. Mm. And I'm not saying they're jealous, but what I'm saying is that there are some people who are so stuck in it and they can't see the other side, but they want it so bad. Mm. I know point. multiple people I, who have just been like, oh, that's so cool you do this. And then they'll make judgmental comments. But then as soon as something good happens to me, like a like a not like a famous thing, but just, oh, I'm featuring for mm-hmm. somebody who's been on TV. Oh, oh, my God, Drew, I had no idea you were good right. or funny. Really? Mm-hmm. Like okay. we were so close in high school. Don't you yeah. remember? Like talking to other people. No, I don't. Where like, were you when I wanted to kill myself? Yeah, that's right. You weren't there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, go no, fuck yourself. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's right. like, they didn't want to hear about that. And you know, the, you know, the people who are actually like, I know the people who are actually genuine who are like, I want to come see a show and they're very respectful mm-hmm. and they're like, you're great and stuff like that. But they, that's, that's it. And you yeah. know that they're real because they don't do that. But the people who are make a show out over exuberant. Right. And I don't know if that's happened to you where it's like, you had such a different personality where you weren't really like that. Like you yeah. say what's on your mind. <laughs> you're not really like a go with the flow. I'm, yeah, I'm not whatever. like the North no. shore girl. No, I'm not. you're like, this is who I am. I'm an honest person. I'm going to say mm-hmm. it up front. If you don't like it, you can get the fuck out. But that, is threatening because mm-hmm. to them because they want to stay in that this is my script and this right. is what I must do. Carolyn is the DMX of North Shore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I we would, need a t-shirt. Literally. <laughs> yeah. I have had experiences where now I want to be a therapist and that's when I'm getting my master's Dope. towards. Yeah. Counseling or social work? Counseling. Nice. So I want to work. I As of now, I'm not sure if I want to work with eating disorders. Might be a little too close to home, but definitely yeah. want to work with teenagers. But when people find out that I want to be a therapist, I have had a lot of people reach out to me who want to tell me their problems because they think I want to hear everyone's problems because mm-hmm. that's what I'm interested in. Including You're like, I'm actually people. looking for practice today. If anybody has availability yeah. from four right. to six, let like, me know. And I got attention from Deerfield people when I lost weight or that was a big one. I'm like, OMG, you look so good. You look Miss stunning. You. Stunning. That's the like word. Gorgeous. so hot or tiny. And yeah. I hate I hate the physical compliments on people's Instagrams. I know it's so normalized. That's a totally different issue. Yeah. What if they just said you look happy? Right. Like. Like, I hate when it's like skinny. Well, yeah. You're having a good time. My thing is, I like the generalization. I don't like yeah. the specifics. Like, if somebody mm. says you look great, I'm like, oh, my God, yes. thank you. I know yeah. what that means. You, mm-hmm. you think I look skinny, but you're being respectful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like, and tiny. I hate exactly. that. But when people say, like, oh, you look so skinny, like, it's almost like, what's her secret? I really want to know. Right. Where she could be literally killing herself yeah. to achieve that body type. Mm-hmm. And, and But you're similar, though. Hold it down here. I just don't want to cover that. There you go. Um, I just think that like that when people say like um those types of things it's just like it's so i don't know i just it's a total disregard it's just it's not even (laughs) it's almost like when somebody says like you're so skinny or you're so this or that it's like it's more of like 
whenever somebody comments on that, it's almost like when you have an eating disorder, you want them to ask, are you okay? Mm. But they don't get there. They just say, they just say what you want to hear from your mind. Yeah. You don't want to hear from anybody else. You want to be skinny. Right. And then Ed, or Ed eating disorder. Yeah. Um, Ed is like, oh, sweet. They're, they see that you're skinny. So we're going right. to amp it up a notch. Right. Or so it like feeds it. Almost. Oh, yeah. Because okay. we would talk, my therapist and I would talk about how there's Carolyn's mind and Ed's mind. And we are occupying the same space. Mm-hmm. And at certain times, like right now, I would say my voice is like 96% Carolyn's head. You're in control 4% of you. Ed. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time, at the time, it was like 99% Ed. So when Ed is more powerful than your voice and hears those compliments, Ed is like, okay, buckle up, Caro. We're gonna you know run seven miles tomorrow and then have an apple like it's you know like you're gonna reward yourself with a granny smith like yeah (laughs) that's when you hear that's why the instagram and like the physical comments just get to me sometimes for other people because then it's like that voice in your head who is so appearance driven loves it Mm -hmm. and feeds off it i like yeah and like everyone and i think that anyone with an eating disorder like even if you're like over it or whatever like i think those comments though like stewed you make like the ed part of oh you like God, really yeah. happy like mm-hmm. anytime someone's like you look great i'm like i know what that means you know right but like i'm never but i don't think i think that being aware of it is helpful mm-hmm. because if you're aware of it when those comments come in you're like oh no they think i look great okay right you take it for face value mm-hmm. versus what you want it to hear yes. you know inside but i think um yeah, that's a really difficult one because there's a lot of issues going around. It, it and then it's a lot of like political stuff too, but like yeah. body positivity and all that stuff. And it's like, it's interesting to see, not like who's for it and against it, but who like understands it yeah. versus who's for. Because because I get it, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I've been there, and then I get it. But then there's still the voice that's like, no, you need to be skinny. And I think that mm-hmm. the eating disorder sometimes can be detached from reality of like no Uh this is my body and it's great and it's this and it's really hard Mm -hmm. it's hard to get to that point yes and that's why i admire a lot of people who get to that point yes and i do not blame people who have fallen victims to the diet obsessed appearance obsessed world because that is what we live in walk into any bookstore and you will see 30 magazines with thin women on them we are fed to look a certain way so when people are I'm not trying to bash the people who are commenting like skinny mini because yeah, that's what our world is telling you to say. Yeah. Right. It right. just takes that extra level, whether you have an eating disorder or, you know, try to educate yourself to realize like, hey, that might not be the healthiest thing. Mm-hmm. One of the most consistent things I have ever heard from just anyone I've ever met in my life that's had an experience with an eating disorder, especially one that got to a serious point that required hospitalization, mm-hmm. almost like almost a hundred percent has been this consistent of social media is a very tricky, scary, hard place for me. Mm-hmm. And so when they say, Oh, they don't get the body positivity movement on social media, they don't get that for so many of these men and women and people mm-hmm. that social media is such a scary uptight. Oh God, what are they going to say? Oh Jesus. Right. What's that? They don't understand that because this specific environment is so uptight for so many people yeah there needs to be a balance there needs to be somewhere where you can go and just not have to worry about it right get yeah. your validation yeah. yeah out outside of it if you can't sure. look at your timeline go look at that tag for you know 10 minutes and mm-hmm. get your mind off it that way know that right. you're not going to see anything you don't need to see mm-hmm. yeah and i think that something interesting that i was like actually thinking about recently that i wanted to bring up to you was that like 
there are certain times where I'm like, oh, I'm a hundred percent like over my eating disorder. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm, like I am. But as you progress through the recovery poss- process, there are certain things that you've never experienced during the worst times before, and they come out during the best times because yeah. it's just the eating disorder manifesting in a different way because you're in a different place. Like right now, I don't have one Mm -hmm. i'm very healthy and i you know i I don't but there are certain things that make me want to go back to it and trigger me and certain things that like it manifests in different ways like you know now then i I mean i don't know if like there are any things that you have experienced now Mm. even though you don't have any sort of that like come up but you that wasn't present back then yeah i would say um a newer thing I have noticed is, and I, we spoke about this last week, when I know I'm going to go out to eat mm-hmm. for any meal, I will skimp the meal before. I yeah, will totally. have mm-hmm. just a little tiny bit or I, you know, will, I'll call it like a fast because right. I know I'm going to chow down later, but then I will overeat, feel out of control, mm-hmm. feel bloated. And that is something I've noticed as of late where I feel think oh well I really want to enjoy this food later so I'm gonna make myself super super hungry so it tastes even better mm-hmm. but then I just inhale the food because yeah. you're I'm hungry. so hungry yeah um that's definitely a newer thing and I do the same thing with drinking sometimes too like, uh, oh I won't eat lunch I won't eat so that I get drunk as fuck R- yeah, yeah so totally I get drunk yeah. quickly yeah and then I will have like I don't like to use the word binge too much because I know what a binge is like and I yeah. I, I overeat still. I still struggle with overeating. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, but I do it to myself. I will put myself into a calorie deficit. I won't feed my body enough. And then I'll overeat. So that's been something I've definitely been noticing um, that my body's telling me, okay, you need to yeah. eat more before because then we're going to go crazy at this yeah. next meal. Something yeah. that I uh, think to ask people who have like worked on their eating habits is – when you do do things like smoke weed or you do things like drink and you do things that are like a part of a lot of people's lives that mm-hmm. sort of change your state a little bit. Yeah. I know some people that have eating disorders and then when they get drunk, they eat everything. Mm-hmm. They eat absolutely everything. And it's like suddenly like everything comes out and right. then they have like, they think it's an alcohol issue, but it's actually really a symptom of oh, eating disorder. Yeah. Or they think they can't yeah. smoke weed. They think they can't smoke weed because they'll eat everything in their house and they'll get way beyond anything. And it's like, you mean they'll just no, be themselves? Yeah. yeah, it's like your mind. <laughs> your body's just hungry. Yeah, yeah. it's like your serious. mind is in a weird place about food, and then you put something that makes a lot of people hungry, mm-hmm. and so then that uncomfortable, weird place just goes times five. But yeah. you started there. You started right. there and had something to it. Do you find like you eat differently when you're on, or you're, you're in a different place of development? Hmm. I would say. Well, first of all, I do not smoke weed. Proud of you. Um, <laughs> I will you can say hear the lighter half the time in the podcast. And it's me. <laughs> and it's me. It's definitely not Carol. It's always Miss Brown. When I drink, I there are times when then I won't even want to eat while I'm drunk because I know I won't enjoy it as much. Because mm-hmm. I have worked on mm. savoring food more. That's been a big thing I've been trying to work on. So not having not being a distracted eater. Not yeah. having my phone out, not having my laptop out, like actually sitting down and eating. So when I'm drunk, I'm like, well, I don't want to order this amazing pizza because you I'm just going to inhale it and I'm not going to remember it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll remember. <laughs> no, I'll remember. <laughs> no, it, I know what you're saying. You're not going to remember like the mindfulness of right. doing it. And 
Yeah, so, and like yeah. I, yeah. You can and have a healthy relationship with things you appreciate. That all makes sense. I try, yes, because I I love food, and I am mm-hmm. not afraid to admit, like, yes, I will struggle with overeating at times because I just love food so mm-hmm. much, and I think that's a gift in a way that now I love. I will let myself eat food, and you're like admitting it and being like, "Yeah, I, that rocks." Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like great that's cool that I love food. Now. Did yeah, you know dude, that hamburgers taste good? They're fucking great. Right. You should eat one yeah. or two if you feel like it. Yeah, and like, yeah. enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I think that I have some of those same issues, like not eating before a big dinner or like mm-hmm. certain things. Like today, like I got really stressed about my job, and I was like having a really hard time, and I don't eat breakfast, so it was like two o'clock, and I hadn't eaten anything, and I was like. No, I'm skinny and I'm stressed. So I don't right, I'm being eat. good today. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm good. And my when my stomach's growling, I'm like, yes, bitch. Oh, right. Like, you take. Yeah, I, I. It's it's. But then I'm like, oh, this is twisted, and I need mm-hmm. to like eat something. And then I had a taco. And Your fine. biology is literally telling you I need to eat to. Yeah, live. totally. Yeah. And yeah. I think that like losing weight. Um, I think every time I try to maintain my weight, I end up losing it. And I've never really admitted that, but every time mm-hmm. I yeah try to maintain it i lose it because i get addicted to to trying to maintain it and i'm afraid i'm gonna gain it Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like i'm afraid that like if i try to maintain it maintaining means gaining so stay Mm. on the cautious side and let's lose a few pounds so we can gain more and be fine right it's like a i want to be in a certain range so let's go all the way low Mm -hmm. and then let's get to the middle and and it's never uh it's not like a bad balance, but it, it, it sometimes is hard to balance. And it's yeah. always on your mind. That's the hard part. Yes. You're living with yeah. it. Yeah, especially when you when mm-hmm. you and especially when you have surgery and you can't eat. And like I got hit by a car recently. Right. I was I haven't worked out in a month or whatever. And it's like I, um, that that's never really a struggle. But I'm because for me when I'm have surgery or what and I'm out for a month, I'm good at balancing that stuff because mm-hmm. I know that I'm not as hungry because I'm not working out and right. walking and getting yeah. my, my metabolism up. But I think that. Um, all that stuff, you know, it's just really interesting the timeline of how things like pop up during mm-hmm. certain times and like, you yeah. know, do your eating disorder behaviors come up during certain times of other stress and anxiety mm-hmm. or is it strictly like kind of just like a ebb and flow? Mm. Um, typically, I notice them when I have like events coming up. That is when they really start to take center stage. Mm-hmm. So if I have like a big thing coming up, like a wedding or I'm seeing my old college friends for the first time in a few months. It's an excuse. That's when the behaviors yeah. start popping up. Like, well, you want to look your best. Right. Or like, if oh, well, let's go get you some new clothes, but let them be a little bit like smaller than your Right, normal. right. Um, and I would say sometimes changes in routine can make my behaviors kind of go crazy. Not my behaviors, but I mean, like when I first moved to the city, I didn't have groceries for a few days. So I was like, I'm going to pig out 100%. Like all or nothing thinking, you know? So we ordered out. I ate so unhealthy those first few days because it was in such a change in routine. Then I was yeah. like, okay, well, now I have to be good and I have to be healthy for the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the attic part of it encourages all that black and white thinking. Oh my God. That's like, it's I have so to bad. eat all three burritos right now mm-hmm. or I don't get to eat for the next 18 hours. No, that's, right. that happens to me all the time when I'm high and want a lot of food. And I'm like, I have to eat all this right now because tomorrow I'm starting over. Oh my yeah. God. Every day I'm starting, I'm starting over. over. I'm yeah. starting over every day. And then I'm like, wait, right. there's something called moderation and I can start mm-hmm. over every day with yeah. moderation and I don't have to like. Or I can eat half of this now and then lunch tomorrow. Right. But it's right. like that. But that's not. You're not making your too mind. much sense. Yeah. 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 That's too yeah. logical for. Yeah. Your just, brain can't be there. Right. Yeah. Just labeling myself. You know, if I have um, 
I don't know, some fruit and yogurt for breakfast, I'm, I'm a good that day. Mm-hmm. I'm so right. good. Right. But you can I be a better have, friend to people because you're so good. <laughs> right. Like it's good like your light, Like your mentality mm. changes. That, mm. That's how I feel. Yeah. I feel like I'm ha- like my mood literally gets happier when I'm like mm. quote unquote good. Right. I feel so good about myself. And then if I have like a s- pizza for dinner, I'm so bad. And I need mm-hmm. to like pray for my soul because right. I yeah. just sinned. Yeah. You know, where it's just exactly it's moderation there's so many areas of gray yet it's still so black and white well they're jaded by your disorder Mm -hmm. and my disorder and yours everybody's disorders and addictions and stuff and um so if is there the last because we're gonna have to wrap it up the only other question i was gonna ask you um was like before people go i typically ask like um what do you think you did and or it could have been like accumulative but like what do you think helped you the most that you could help somebody else just like you because there are a lot of ton of people out there like you who are growing up in like high pressured stakes Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and having disorders it's really common more than we talk about it and that's why we have the podcast but (laughs) (laughs) that's such a good question and i feel like there's so many things i could say but the first thing that pops into my mind first thing that in right instinct yeah Right, I want to put my therapist hat on, but what just popped <laughs> into my mind was I pictured my future self so much mm. that mm-hmm. I pictured my future self not just a few years. Like I pictured myself, sure, going to IU when I was in high school, and I want that future. But even now when I'm faced with the decision, I picture, you know, when I have kids, would I ever want to pass anything on to them like this? Or mm-hmm. do I still want to be struggling with this in five years when I might be married? And... So I would picture my future self, my future, the self that I wanted to be right. and started just believing that I could achieve that reality and that 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 was possible out there. And that if I worked hard enough, I just wanted to take control over my life again, yeah. not Ed, not society, not, you know, my addiction or my disorders. I wanted to be in the driver's seat. And once I started really listening to Carolyn's voice and picturing what I want in the long term really helped. That makes me so happy. That's awesome. You knew (laughs) that the rest of your life could start once you got your Mm -hmm. control over this thing that was harming you. Yeah. And And that's important, especially to reiterate to people, like, you're in the driver's seat. Like, your shit's not in control of you. Like, you can control it. When you're having a panic attack. You are not. You are not. (laughs) But when you're You'll when you're there. in a clear space of reality, you need mm-hmm. to realize that like perspective. That's the, actually the number one thing that helped me in high school is perspective, mm-hmm. and I think that we have kind of like sleep, like lose our like ability to see it because we're so caught up in day to day, and especially during a pandemic, it's really hard to see the future right. and all that stuff. But I think that that's a really, really, really good piece of advice for somebody who's going through something because um, the the day to day could be helped by looking in the future mm-hmm. you know like the day-to-day process yeah. of like seeing your seeing the number on the scale and being like wait do i need to care about this if i'm gonna want to mm-hmm. have children like thinking yeah. that does 30 year old drew need to worry about this yeah mm-hmm. recovery is hard it is not no it's a brutal. lot of the time yeah. but any little victory you have i encourage people to celebrate that even if you are able to say no to ed one time mm-hmm. like those little successes will build up to s- momentum Mm-hmm. And then you will be able to get through the harder challenges more easy. Right. And I think that even having like a, like even I, we call it like an accountability buddy and like, oh, in, in I like therapy. that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I do that with like working out where it's like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to work out unless like my roommate Katie comes with me. Like, I'm just not going to. Mm-hmm. And so like, <laughs> and so like for, for yoga, when we used to go together and, and now I'm like, 
um i think that having like somebody even when you have like a small win where it's like i literally like will tell katie i'm like i like today i did something that i normally wouldn't do for my anxiety or whatever Mm -hmm. can we like drink tonight and celebrate and then like that will help me get through the next challenge yes. because then I'm like oh then we can celebrate if I don't give into this mm-hmm. that and then and yeah because you've made positive you steps up your strength right. before yes. right. so even you can do it again so dumb even like if it's so small I told, anything I told Katie I'm like if we each get two signs today like I'll buy us a bottle of wine fine and then that gets us Amazing. to do it and then the next day when mm-hmm. we want to go go like when we're discouraged I'm like no let's let's like mm-hmm. work hard it shifts your attitude for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So last thing, I know you're not like a comedian or anything, but do you have anything you want to plug like Instagram? Oh God. <laughs> um, Eddie Parks, you like to jog Instagram. out in the middle of the night? Ooh. Like <laughs> anything we need to Where know. Where to find single Carolyn? Do you oh want to plug God. your, do you want to give me, give me your three sentence and synopsis Tinder bio. Oh Mentally healthy men who are not dangerous to themselves or society. Please <laughs> hit up Carolyn. If you will be not dangerous next year, Message me, I'll filter. <laughs> I don't have anything to plug. You can <laughs> add my Insta if you want, but nah. Just if you need therapy in the future, what's look your me Instagram up. at? Uh, at Caro C Simon. Okay, Caro C Simon. Um, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Oh, I'm. This went so much better than nervous? I thought it would. No, I'm not nervous See? anymore. See, isn't it fine? <laughs> okay. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Thank you so much for listening to Doing Time.